0: Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Brian Robertson, for those that may not know, and I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I'm glad to have you with us for this third week uh, as we discuss and kind of look at the ch- third chapter of the book of Ruth that we just Read for us, and so what can we understand uh, in this story about how we can pursue God and how we can pursue our lives with Him? Uh, and it's a really fascinating story. And while I wish we could camp here and just stay and talk about all of the weird intricacies of what's really going on behind the scenes, we just don't have the time. Uh, this morning to do that. Uh, we'd love to have that conversation. If you want to go after that sometime, we'd do that. But uh, this morning, I want to kind of understand what is it that we can see about God's life and about life with God and about our action with God, about our participation with God and what he may be doing in and around us. The whole story of Ruth is actually a collaboration uh, of seeing God at work behind the scenes, orchestrating for his blessing and for his goodness to come out in people's lives and the people's response to God's activity, people's response to what he's doing and how they can remain faithful and obedient to God's ways in the midst of their life. There really is a whole lot going on and there's a lot of uh, arguments of what's happening really on, on the kind of the cultural stuff that's happening with Ruth and the coming to him in the middle of the night and uncovering his feet and all that kind of stuff. But what I really want to zero in on this morning is the, the aspect of our uh, role of action or the necessity of our action in our life with God. Some time ago about, uh, well, I won't tell you how long ago, uh, call it New Year's resolution or call it that I had in the mind, in my mind's eye that I was going to be turning 40 soon. Uh, I began uh, decided that I was going to take better care of myself. I was going to watch what I eat. I was going to start my own little workout regimen, and I was going to do this. It was going to be really fantastic, and it was great. I got uh, Gina and I got Fitbits for each other and a little competition to see how well we can do. And things were going really, really well until I woke up one morning, and I could barely move because I was so sore. My muscles were aching, and I couldn't do anything. Uh, and I was sore in places I didn't even think I was working out. It was weird, and I couldn't move my shoulders, my legs, and truthfully, if I would just be authentic with you, it had been a little bit of time since I had actually done any kind of workout or decided to take care of my body. I mean, other than walking from my car to the office or you know, from my office to the bathroom or something like that. Uh, and my version of watching what I eat at those th- in those days, we you know, watching it as I pick it up and put it in my mouth. It was, that was about all I did. And apparently, evidently, that's not a good strategy for being healthy and having strong muscles and being able to have a body that's healthy and fit and being able to do things. It wasn't that I couldn't walk at all. It wasn't that I was like paralyzed and all that kind of stuff, but this sudden workout routine, this sudden aspect of walking and trying to do things uh, just displayed this harsh reality that I just, my body wasn't physically as strong as I had once thought it was, at least not in my mind. My mind thought I was really strong and my body was telling me something totally different. And this morning as we look in this book of Ruth, this story in Ruth, what I want us to consider is like our physical bodies need exercise and the ability to take action and to grow strong and healthy, so do our spiritual lives. Our spiritual lives need strength, need exercises to build strength in our spiritual life. We cannot sit back passively and expect righteousness and goodness and faithfulness to just kind of come on us to just kind of magically happen to us. Like we can't sit back and watch the exercise people on TV or the athletes do their workout and just somehow magically think that, well, I watched them. That just works out for me too. It just doesn't happen that way. And like our physical bodies need that kind of exercise and action to them to grow healthy and strong, our spiritual lives need the same thing. And we see this kind of action in, at work in the lives of Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz in this kind of weird and uh, difficult understand understanding, difficult passage to really kind of understand. So this is what we're going to take a look at, our role, our active role in the life of pursuing God. So let's pray together and we'll get started. Jesus, thank you for this morning and for the ways in which you have brought uh, stories to life, that we might understand our uh, ability to follow you. So Father, I pray that as we study and as we understand this, Uh, As best we can, Father, would you lower our defenses to hear from you? What might you be speaking to us? How might you be drawing us to action and activity rather than passivity? It's in your name we pray. Amen. All of Scripture, both the Older Testament and the Newer Testament, seem to point to the fact that the goal of the Christian life is to be so caught up in the will and the ways and the purposes of God that all that we do, whether it's in word or deed, is done in the name of the Lord. That all that we do is done in the way and the name of Jesus. That the goal of the Christian life is to be so consumed, in other words, with God and His purposes that everything we do All of our actions, all of our words, everything that we do is done in the manner that Jesus would do them. And we see this kind of aspect, this kind of interplay between God's work behind the scenes and people's active participation. We see this in this story of Ruth. And we're reminded in this story of the central truth that spiritual growth is not a passive one. That growth in the spiritual life is not done passively where we just sit back and watch it happen and unfold before our eyes. But it's something that we engage in. It's something that we have a role to play in. It's what the, thinker and theologian Dallas Willard says as this way. He says that grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. Effort is action. Earning is attitude. Grace is, of course, unmerited favor, but the form it takes is the action of God in our lives and with our action. If we wish to know more of this and see the de- deliverance it works in and around us, we must do the things that will bring it to pass. In other words, there's an interplay between God's activity in our life, God orchestrating things behind the scenes, and our effort, our action. Are stepping out to be faithful into His ways, not sitting back passively. We are not mere pawns in the game of our life, just going wherever we're, you know, wherever God has making us go. But we respond, and our response to and for God's activity matter. Our response to the ways in which God is stirring, the way in which God is orchestrating things in the in the in the backgrounds matter. And while it is completely by God's grace that we are where we are, we do have a part to play in our maturity and in our faithfulness and the, us growing strong in God. We have a part to interact with the ways in which God is doing and ways in which he's developing things behind the scenes. And this is what we see in this story. There's a principle that at work in this story that some have called strategic righteousness or active righteousness righteousness where people don't sit back just simply passively but are taking strategic and intentional steps to walk with God to go towards the open door that God may be stirring in them there's a sort of righteousness that is kind of more passive that more that simply seeks to avoid things that seeks to avoid evil whenever it represents itself or whenever evil comes into our way we just kind of go the other way we just kind of stay away from it it's the kind of righteousness that turns the computer off when something inappropriate pops up on the screen. Or it's the kind of righteousness that when the music on the radio is saying a certain kind of message, we turn the radio station. We try to avoid any environment that's tempting or evil in general whatsoever. We just simply stay away from it. There's an aspect of, of kind of hiding away from it or being distanced away from evil. And there's nothing wrong with that kind of righteousness, really, especially as it relates to helping us stay pure and helping us to stay focused on what God is doing and not allow evil thoughts or sinful behaviors to come into our life because we realize that what we dwell on has a way of shaping who we are. So there's really nothing wrong in and of itself of this kind of passive righteousness, but there's a sort of righteousness that takes a step further, that, is, that moves beyond simply avoiding temptation or avoiding the evil around, but it begins to take strategic steps in seeing growth in our following of Jesus. Not just simply avoiding and staying away from, but taking a step towards and being actively strategic in how we follow after God. In the example that I gave earlier about working out or, or trying to do some kind of you know, workout regimen, it's, it's one thing to say passive righteousness here would say, well, I'm going to avoid the dessert menu or the other foods that call for my name from the refrigerator in the middle of the night and I'm going to avoid those. I'm just not going to go there and that's okay. But growth physically doesn't really happen by just simply avoiding bad things. It needs with it the strategic help of going towards healthy things. Instead of just simply avoiding unhealth, we need to take steps of health and steps of going towards something. This really is what the Apostle Paul means when he writes in Philippians chapter four that whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, that we should think about such things, that we should engage our minds in such things that are pure and lovely and righteous and admirable. Not simply avoiding that which is impure, but filling our thoughts and our minds with that which is pure. There's an active aspect of our life with God. And what we see in this story of Ruth, while it seems a little bit weird and convoluted at times, we see the characters in the story taking action steps towards purpose and planning and strategic, simply seeing is there an open door and can I walk through it? Naomi does this with Ruth. Her strategy is perfectly clear. She wants to win a godly husband for her daughter-in-law and secure a future for her. And while I'm not really sure I'd give the same advice to our young ladies, just pretty yourself up and go in the middle of the night, I'm not sure if that's the same kind of (laughs) advice I want to give out. I mean, it seems a little rash and risky and potentially even running ahead of what God would have for her. But if all that to say, Naomi is still a person of action. She doesn't see her life with God as simply letting things happen and unfold and simply passively sitting back. She's a woman of action, and that should be admired. But we also see this in Ruth, who also takes action, courageously and risky, takes the steps out of her comfort zone to come towards Boaz and make a proposition of marriage, and even takes the initiative to make it very clear to him what's going on and where she is. She desired to be taken care of by Boaz and ask him to consider marrying her. It was very risky for her to do. It was very much outside of her comfort zone. And we see the same kind of action, the same kind of forthrightness when we see Boaz. And he begins to show us a ways in which we can understand how to take appropriate steps in the right direction and not be passive but be active in our life with God. To respond well and patiently. And with loving kindness towards Ruth and towards the situation that Ruth has. Listen to how Boaz responds to Ruth's proposition. Chapter 3, verses 10 through 13. The Lord bless you, my daughter. This kindness is greater than what you showed earlier. You've not run after younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, you don't be afraid. I will do for you as you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. So stay here for the night. And in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good. Let him do it. But if he's not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until the morning. Again, what we see in Boaz this noble character, this person of deep integrity and this desire to do what is right, to not rush ahead of God's plan, not rush ahead of His will, but to desire to take care of and His loving kindness that He shows over unto Ruth and is done and is kind of shaped and it is modeled by God's will and God's plan, and He has a desire to do that to do it God's way, and He has a desire to do it in the way that God would. Bless and the way in which God would make way for him. So here's what I want us to zero in and think about this morning. It is possible for us, in fear of kind of missing out on the will of God, it is possible for us to respond in our life in two kind of polarizing opposites. The one side would be just simply paralyzed because we're not really sure, I'm gonna put my foot in my mouth, I'm not sure if I should step out there, I'm not sure if I should do anything, and so we remain paralyzed in our faith, and our relationship with God. But then the other opposite response would be to just rashly and riskily rush out ahead of God's plan and just kind of knee-jerk reaction, try to make things happen on our own. And what we see in this story, in particular what we see in Boaz, is a way in which we respond to how God may be orchestrating and doing things behind the scene to respond to them with action, but to respond to them with righteous action action that is in line with God's will, action that is in line with the way that God would bring blessing and bring about fruitfulness in their life. And there's a few insights that we get to how we can live this way, not paralyzed on the one side where we just don't do anything, but also not knee-jerk reacting and just rushing out and doing whatever we think is right in whatever way we think is right. And there's a way we can see, and there's insights we can glean from this passage. And the first insight we see is that we need to have a commitment, a straight-up commitment to not run ahead of God. And while we take strategic steps or significant steps of action, our job, we need to make sure that in in our mind and our soul is our set on this, that our job is to not rush ahead and manipulate things for our own benefit, to force other people to do what we want them to do to force them to think the way we want them to think, to force them to behave the way we want them to behave. That is not our job, and so we don't rush out and just kind of force it. We need to have a resolute commitment to follow the ways of God, understanding that his purposes and his ways need to be fulfilled in his timing. And so right at the very beginning, we need to have a commitment to follow God's ways. We need to take action, but we need to do it in a way that is righteous and is good. We see this in Boaz. When he begins, he sees uh, Ruth come to him and he desires to have her as his wife, but he desires to do it in the right way. In the right way. It's like what we see in Psalm 37, verses three through nine. where The psalmist says that we ought to trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. To commit your way, to the Lord, to trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes, but refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret, for it leads to evil. Those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. We not not fret when we see people in their wicked schemes succeeding in their way, but we commit ourselves to the Lord. We commit ourselves to doing things the way God would do them. We have this resolute commitment to do it right, to not give in to the temptation that tells us that the end justifies the means, and to avoid the temptation to cut corners and force our, our will or our agenda on other people. Friends, who we are matters. And how we do our business matters. So we are to commit ourselves to the ways of the Lord and not rush ahead and not force our agenda on other people. So I have a question for you Are you someone who has a resolute commitment to God's ways? Are you someone who has a commitment to doing things the way God would have it, to not cut corners? to not give in to the temptation that says the end justifies the means and whatever, I, whatever, by ever, whatever means necessary, I'll do what it takes. Are you a person that desires and commits above everything else to do it God's way, in the right way? Well, second insight that we see is we, as we need to pay attention to the signs that God is doing, that God may be opening doors around us and we need to pay attention to where those doors are, where those opportunities are, what is going on here. God brought Ruth and Naomi back from Moab, and they brought them back to Bethlehem, and they brought them to the field of Boaz. And rather than just seeing all this stuff happening just by mere chance or by just mere happenstance, they began to understand and pay attention to what God was doing in their midst at work around their story, behind the scenes, to open up doors. They began to pay attention to what God is doing and be able to see where God may be bringing them and and prayerfully consider what doors may be opening that God may be inviting me to take an active step towards. See, our job is not to blast doors open, but to prayerfully learn discernment and to learn to have courage to walk through the doors when they've been presented to us to learn discernment, and courageously, prayerfully walk through doors when they're presented to us. And here, just frankly, is a wonderful gift that God gives us in each other to help us discern if this is an open door or not. I've got to imagine that Ruth and Naomi had conversations around their table at night, late at night, after Ruth would come home from gleaning, and she'd say, what's going on? What's happening? What's happening there? And they would discuss all the things that were going on and, and how Boaz was, re, was responding to her. And they would talk. Is this God's work? Is this what God is leading? Where, God, where might God be opening a door for you? They had conversations about this. We need to have, help each other discern where God may be opening a door for us where God may be stirring in the lives, not only of us, but the lives of other people. And we need to have courage, and we need to give each other courage and strength to walk through those doors when they're presented to us. Discernment and courage. So do you have someone who you can share those things with? Do you have a person who you may, something is stirring in your heart about a ministry opportunity, about a conversation, about a a decision that needs to be made, and and you haven't even really opened that up to anybody? Or do you have someone that you can talk to and discern God's will in your life to understand what might be going on? Well, a third insight that kind of leads right out of that second one is this aspect of God's activity in our life is not self-interpreting. God's activity in our life is not self-interpreting, meaning that we should be very wary of our ability to interpret the signs or these open doors in ways that benefit us, in ways that just kind of confirm what we want it to confirm. As fallen, sinful, broken people, we have this tenacious ability to twist and distort everything that's going on for our own benefit so that it just looks really good for us. But here, Boaz is a man who loves God's word, who loves God's law, and it is scripture that ought to be guiding our direction and how we understand where it is we're supposed to go. Boaz understood the law really well. And while he desired to have Ruth as his, his wife and he desired to take care of her, he realized that the law said that there was someone who was close relative and that he would be cutting corners if he just kind of circumvented that process and just took Ruth to be his wife. And he had a commitment to follow the ways of God and he discerned, it, discerned the open door and he submitted it to the law of God and he submitted to the ways of God. And while he had the desire in his own heart for things, he had to submit his desires and his feelings to the way that God desires things to go. And he had to submit his own feelings and his own experiences and his own emotions to the law of God. That scripture is our thing that kind of gives guidance and and prescription for what we are to do in the way in which we are to do it. We don't rush out, in other words, and just kind of knee-jerk react. I've heard many people say one thing or another along the lines of, well, God wants me to be happy, so I'll do such and such. And they use that to excuse anything and everything, things that they know are wrong and things that they're not sure, but they just simply excuse it by the phrase, well, God wants me to be happy. And friends, if we're not careful, and if we don't take captive our thoughts and commit our ways ourselves to the ways of the Lord, our emotions and our feelings can hijack our decisions. And they can run us in ways that are harmful, not only to us, but to those around us, to our friends, to our family, to people all over. We must never make the mistake that temptation means opportunity. We should never make the mistake that temptation means opportunity. We must learn discernment, and we must submit our our decisions and our opportunities to the ways of God. So this morning I want to encourage you to think about ways that God is stirring in your life because I believe he's been up to something in your life. I believe that God has been stirring in your life. He's been opening doors around you. I believe that God has been active in your life behind the scenes and you may not have been aware of it, but that God has been stirring up and and moving in certain ways that only he can do and that you may not even be aware of it, but that he's been opening doors for you. And he's been calling you to a courageous, risky step. And my prayer for you is that we would step and take active steps, strategic, planned steps, but we would do it in the way of God. That we would not be paralyzed on the one side, but we would also not rush out and just knee-jerk react and do it in our own way. But we would learn how to take active steps following God, committing ourselves to the ways of God. So, how might God have been stirring How might God have been opening doors for you? What opportunities have been coming back to your mind that you can't get rid of, you can't kick? How might he be calling you to be hands and feet of his kingdom to proclaim and demonstrate the hope that you have in Christ in the neighborhood or in the work environment or in your families? See, I believe that God has been at work in your life that he's been stirring, that he's been orchestrating things and bringing things to pass behind the scenes. You may not even be aware of it, but he's been bringing you to a certain place ready for you to step out. And while he's been working behind the scenes, we have an opportunity, we have an obligation to step out in faith and to actively pursue the ways of God and to do them submitted to his ways and submitted to his kingdom. Often stepping out of our comfort zone is difficult for us. Often it's it's trying, it's, it's, it's not easy, it's risky. But similar to how our physical bodies need to be stretched and to grow and to go through some aspect of developing, this is the same thing about our spiritual life, that we need to develop aspect of, of strengthening our spiritual muscles. We need to step out, on our, on, out of our comfort zone where God may be stirring behind the scenes. We need to take courageous, risky, discerned steps to follow after him, to walk through the door that he's been opening for you? Do you get a sense that God is opening a door for you? Is there a conversation? Is there a relationship? Is there a place that God is stirring in you, something you just can't really get rid of? See, some of you, I believe some of you are being called right now to a deeper sense of community here at church. And you hear the announcements about life groups. You hear the announcements of sharing your life with one another. And you just can't, can't get past it. There's something about it. And, there's, and God is stirring something behind the scenes. But for some reason, one reason or another, you remain paralyzed. And you go, well, they're not going to accept me. Or all the bad tapes back in the history of, of your mind keep coming back and forth. And yet, you're, so you remain paralyzed. But all the while, God is calling you into a deeper sense of community where you can share your life with one another. There seems to be an open door. Would you courageously and in faith take a step towards it? Take a step towards it. For some of you, you have this open door with your neighbors or coworkers, or maybe it's your, the family of your kids' friends. And there seems to be an open door. There seems to be an openness there. And God is calling you to be more than just not annoying to them. But he's calling you to move towards them, to take the risky, courageous step of initiating a spiritual conversation with them, to ask them about their faith, to ask them about their upbringing, ask them about what they think about Jesus. Where may be God stirring behind the scenes and where may be he calling you to risky, discerned steps of action in your life with him? Friends, let us not be paralyzed in our faith. Let us have eyes that are able to see God working around and behind the scenes, and may we have courage and discernment to take intentional, strategic action steps towards a life of faithfulness. See, stepping out of our comfort zone is never easy, but when you realize that God has been up to something, and he's been up to something very good in the background of your life, opening doors along the way, then it can give us the courage to take those steps, to not sit back passively, waiting for it to just happen to us, but to discern steps and to do it in community Then we walk towards a life of faithfulness. So where's God leading you? What door? What stirring? What conversation? what relationship is God leading you into? And My prayer for you is that you would have the courageous tenacity and discernment to step towards a life with God and to step towards a life of faithful obedience to his way. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much for this morning and for the ways in which you move around us, for the ways in which you open doors and stir in lives and bring up conversations, and Father, give us the ability to see and discern those things and the courage to walk into them, take a step out of our comfort zone, and express faith in you. It's in your name and pray. Amen. Father, Son, and Spirit, we are humbled that you would know us and come to us and lead us in a way that you would work behind the scenes and that you would call us to faithfulness. Father, give us discerning hearts, give us hearts that are committed to doing things in righteousness and not out of our own abilities and not out of our own desires, but a desire to honor and worship you. Father, as we go this morning, as we go into this week, we pray that all we do would be done for your name's sake, for your glory, and give us the courage to discern and to walk through doors that you've been stirring in our lives. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for coming this morning.